Dr. Bailey with us. Let's give him a good hand as he comes to minister this morning. It's 641 in Hawaii, so we got plenty of time. Amen. It's all about perspective. No. Well, after that kind introduction and two amazing songs, I feel no pressure. Praise the Lord. That was good. I, I, I could watch children programs all day long. Amen. I thought Elvis was going to get up and shock us. Amen. I thought he was just going to. Next year. Amen. Next year. At least, it, you know, somebody said, well, you didn't do, I, when I would do uh, children's programs, I wouldn't do much. I'd just stand there too. I'd just sit there and look around. But it dawned on me, somebody came up and said, at least you showed up. I thought, well, yeah, praise the Lord. That's 50%. Amen. So the next year I showed up again, did a little bit more, did a little bit more, did a little bit more, and then I got too old and didn't do it at all. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate your pastor so much. Um, uh, you know, I, I call them, they're in a class of friends I called unpaid friends. Amen? Doug and Regina, just different ones. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a blessed man. I'm better because of the Mayhorns and, um, in my life. I mean, I mean... Lovely Kentucky, what is, it? what is this place, Sprout Springs? Yeah. Spout Springs. I always want to say it's Sprout. Spout Springs. Well, I grew up in Flatwoods, Kentucky. Found out later it was named Cheap Kentucky. And then went to Advance. Can you imagine being reverend out from Cheap Kentucky? So, but praise the Lord. Well, I, I, I do have a message this morning. I, I've been working on many, many things, and um, I, I just want to, I was talking to them about different things last night. And somebody asked me, uh, we was out in California, and they said, do you ever preach the same thing over? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, Brother Hagin did it for 69 years, and he turned out to be a pretty good success. <laughs> and, uh, but I said, one thing I've learned is this, and the Lord showed me this. He said, you know, the key to baking bread fresh is to bake it fresh. Amen? Because you use the same recipe, but you got to have the right ingredients. you got to have it and bake it fresh. So what I do is I take notes. Sometimes I'll rework them, do different things. But over the last three or four years, I started realizing the years I have left upon the earth are less than the ones I've year lived. So I said, Lord, teach me to live life smarter, not harder. You come to give us life and it more abundantly. You said you would cause all things to work together for good. Show me how to love you and, and be called according to your purpose. Because a lot of times if we don't w watch it, we'll try to do, take the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. And he's just saying, no, I just need your cooperation. He said, how can two walk together unless they agree? So I started going back and relearning some things, unlearning some things, and finding out that people that taught me different things were sincere, but maybe they were not sincerely correct completely. But that's not wrong. You can't chew the hay without, you know, I say it this way, chew the hay and spit out the sticks. Amen? So when I got into the scriptures and I realized that there was five foolish versions, five wise. I found out there was a prophecy by Smith Wilkesworth 95 years ago. It would be 96 this coming August. He said eight things would actively be taking place at the second come of Christ. And he said what, the first one was half of the church will be totally unprepared for the second coming. How many knows Jesus is coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish? Amen? Now, there's nothing that you and I can really do to, uh, to outdo the complete work that Jesus did in us. But there are things that we can do to adjust ourselves. Because a lot of times, 
I like to say it this way. God's not interested in your opinion or mine. If he was, he would have created man earlier than the sixth day. Amen. So the clay never tells the potter what to do and how to mold it. What we got to do is we got to become willing and obedient. Obedience is an act of conduct, but a willingness is a submission of the heart. So over my studies the last three years of getting down and really searching the things of God, not that I've arrived or I have the answer, and I could probably, the Lord tarry somebody 30 years from now, say, well, I heard Todd Bailey preach this. He was sincere, but there were some areas that he did not sincerely preach the full truth. That's fine. You know, it's like the old covenant. You know, the old covenant is not done away with. It's just layered upon new ones where we are now under a better covenant. Amen? So we can't do away with a lot of different things. So a relationship with God, a lot of people can be spiritual, but that does not mean you know God. He said, you can cast out devils. You can speak with new tongues. You can do all these things. Lord, did we not do all these things? He said, depart from me. You never knew me. So I'm finding out that man looks on the outer appearance, but God ponders the heart. So I found out through just praying and saying, God, just show me. How do I live the rest of my life smarter and not harder? How do I become uh, where I know truly without just confessing it, I know your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I know where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is truly freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And this is what he told me. He said, it all starts in the heart. And he took me to Proverbs chapter 4, and I started learning what true repentance was. I started finding out how to deal with the pride of life. See, a little fox could spoil the vineyard of our love. That word spoil means to wind tightly like a rope. If the devil can't get you out of church, he'll neutralize you in church. You'll be alone in a crowd, and you'll be crying with the rest of them when the Spirit of God is manifesting, not because you feel the presence of God. You feel like you're numb. You feel like you're on the merry-go-round. You feel like yesterday, you know, it, today seems like yesterday, and the day, yesterday was the week before. It, you're, you're thinking, what is going on? Why, why am I going through the motions? And it seems like yesterday looks like, you know, and you, you get frustrated in your faith. And if you don't watch it, the two things that the devil, I mean, the Lord warned us about the end times was fear not and be not deceived. See, deception, I was praying about deception one day, and I believe the Lord said this to me word for word. He said, when you're deceived, you don't know it, and if you don't think you can be, you already are. Deception is not when you know it. And the one of the biggest Forms of deception. Now, this is just me. You can take it with a grain of salt. I believe is in James chapter 1 where you are a hearer, but you're not a doer, deceiving your own selves. God doesn't want your opinion. He wants your... He, he, listen, obedience is an act of conduct, but when you give God your heart and you do it out of the heart, everything that we have today is done with the heart if you go back. How are you saved? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. How do you give? He says, give as you purpose in your heart. Amen? He said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind. So when I started studying the heart, I started realizing I was getting down to the root so I could change the fruit. Because what happens is, if you don't watch it, you'll get to the place to where if you don't deal with the root issues in your life, and go back to what Jesus actually said in different ways, where he said, take heed unto yourself. 
Whoever hears my sayings and do them, I'll show you what you're like. Come on. Come on. Because a storm is going to come in our lives. Times are going to get worse in a lot of times. But just because you're in a pool, it doesn't mean you're part of it. You're in the pool, but you're not part of it. But if the pool gets in you and you're on the bottom of the deep end, your friends come out the next day and say, yeah, you're, you know, you're part of the pool now. Amen? You're in the world, but you're not of it. Listen. This is the greatest time of persecution in the earth, but this is the greatest time for the Spirit of God to show up and show off. Because, listen, greater is He. One thing I get my 16-year-old to say when he goes to school, we, 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 we drive a mile, and he says stuff like, greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and love of a sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He does proclamations like three of them. We got three of them. I choose to be happy. I choose to walk in love. And I choose to forgive. And I said, when you go in there, you have set the perimeter of your life. You have set the course of your life. You're one of 2,000 students. You're in that school, but you're not of it. Why? Because the greater one lives inside of you. So of all the different subjects I, have, I could have taught today, I feel like this is the one I want to talk about, how God's changed my heart. Now, how many knows the heart is like the hub, and you have all these different spokes coming out of it in different things? Amen? I mean, you can even do giving, repentance. You can do the pride of life. You can talk about loving your name. All these different things. I got one thing I could preach on on love. I love to preach on it because God is love, and love is of God. Amen? Without love, you can do nothing. Faith works by love. But what I want to talk about today is this, and I've never seen this before, and I can stand up here not saying I am a perfect example of this, but I can tell you that I am an example that God will change your life from the inside out to where you won't get bitter, but you will get better, and you will sleep better. Health will come back to your flesh. You don't need energy drinks because the Holy Ghost will begin to stimulate you and strengthen you from the inside out. You don't have to take something to go to bed and something to wake up. God will do something inside of you because he said it's in you. He said it's in him that I live and move and have my being. Who is joined with God is one spirit. When you abide in me and my words abide in you, we are the same. And I can tell you what I'm about ready to preach to you today is actually tested and tried in my life over and over and over and over, and I've went back and did it over and over and over. Why? Because what I'm about ready to teach you is not something that you do get the merit badge sold on your Holy Ghost sash and go on. This is a daily thing that you do where you take up your cross. If you really want to be free from the inside out, where you know that you can breathe fresh and you feel the breeze on your face and you don't feel numb when you're in the middle of a service. And you actually feel the presence of God. And you're crying because you, you know He is there. Instead of crying because you can't figure out why you're so numb anymore. Have ears to hear us today. Amen? Amen? If you got your Bibles, let's go ahead. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Amen. Praise God. He's divine. We're the branch. Praise the Lord. This, this, what I'm about ready to teach, will improve your prayer life, your confession. It will call, instead of going through a formality, you actually say it not to get it to happen. You say it because you believe it is happening. Yeah. I believe, therefore I speak. Amen? Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're not going to go in circles and spin our wheels anymore. I call it the merry-go-round of life. Everything looks good for three months. You end up right back where you started. And you finally, you sit there and the preacher's preaching. You're going like this, but down deep you're going. Because you don't want your expectations to get up. You just want to go home, get through the day, so you can get to bed early and get up and start your routine again. A lot of people go through life, but very few live it. I don't know about you, but I got one shot at life, and I'm going to make it count. Amen? Proverbs chapter 4. I know it was a little bit lengthy introduction, but praise the Lord. It's still early in Hawaii. Um, it's all about perspective. Amen? You know, I was flying up here, what, was 17, 2017. Our plane was smoking up, uh, the small plane between Charlotte and Lynchburg, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty direct. I, I, I just enjoy life. I'm, my voice echoes. And uh, they can't kick you off of the plane. So it's, it's good to just talk loud sometimes when you need to. The, the plane, I don't know why I'm telling you a story, but one thing I've learned is this. When you have peace in your heart, it was in 2017 in August. I remember this. I actually took pictures when we landed. I saw the fire trucks come out. I saw the emergency vehicles. But we were in the air about halfway through, and the smoke began to fill the, 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 the airplane. How many knows that's not good? And the la he said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he said, uh, this is your pilot. I'm going to have to go down fast, but we'll be fine. But I got to go down fast. We got to land this plane. We're in no danger. I thought, man, you're a good liar, brother. Um, you're just really calm, amen. Uh, but he, he, instead of circling, he circled like this. Amen. It was great. I loved it. Well, I was in row eight or nine, and the guy was in row three. And, you know, some people are... Their mindset is somewhere else. What I'm trying to do is get reality. He goes, I hope we get some compensation for this. Oh, that ticked me off. At 17, 16, 15, and 14,000 feet. Ticked me off. I yelled back. Well, we're going like this with smoke in the car, you know, coming down. I said, yeah, you get to live another day. <laughs> Never said a word, got off the plane left. Amen. So what I'm trying to give to you something is this. You're not just going to get some compensation today. You're going to live another day. Amen. Amen. I want to read this before we go to Proverbs 4 because I almost forgot. How many knows in Genesis 1 we were created in his image and after his likeness? Yeah. Amen. Image, there's a difference between created in the image of God as opposed to the likeness of God. Image is the essential nature of God received through the new birth. We were created in his image and after his likeness. What we do in the natural is we'll look in the mirror and see a reflection of who we are, and then we get depressed. We find everything that's wrong with us. But you got to look a little bit further and realize there's an image you were created in and after. In his likeness, the person who is born again is reflecting this image through their lifestyle. So what I want to give you some things today is to where you can reflect this image through your lifestyle to others so you don't learn to witness, you become a witness. People see the change without you having to tell them. Why? Because you've been changed from the inside out. And I'm telling you, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. How? When you know the truth and continue in it. Amen? Proverbs 4, verse uh, 20 through 23 says this. It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ears unto my, what? Sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your, what? Heart. That's where it starts now. 
for they are life unto those who find them. Wait, wait, wait. And, yeah, and health to what? All their flesh. We're talking emotional flesh, every type of flesh. We're talking everything. Health to all your flesh. Keep your heart. Now, I like what one person said. He said, everybody's trying to take care of everybody else and tell everybody else how to live. But the Lord would appreciate it if you just take care of yourself every once in a while. Amen. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the what? Issues or the springs or the flows of the springs of life. This has been my heart scripture right here. So when I was studying, I started realizing that when you start studying about forgiveness, that's what I want to talk about, how to truly forgive from the heart. Because when you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, how many knows in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it talks about presenting your body, renewing your mind, being not conformed to this world, but have a, a renovation of your mind to where you don't think the way you used to, you think the way God. But verse 3 is what's interesting. He said, for, the, for I say through the grace given to you that every person that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, it doesn't say don't think no more lowly. It says just don't think no more highly of yourself than you ought to think. According as God did dealt to every man, the measure of what? Faith. Now, I want you to look at the center margin at the bottom of your Bible. See if there's anything that says anything different than faith there. Does it say anything about he gives you the measure of unforgiveness, the measure of stress, the measure of offense, the measure of fear? The me are you see what I'm saying? We are taking measures from the devil that is not supposed to be in us. He's given us the measure of faith in Romans 5, 5, and he says, I've given you through my spirit where he has shed the love of God abroad in your heart. So we know faith worketh by love. You've got the measure of faith, and love has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing else mentioned in the scriptures where he gave you a measure of. That's why a lot of people, when they walk around, they're, they're dealing with stuff in their heart that they was never given by God the first place. Amen. See, there's a difference between improvise and compromise. People have literally come to the place where they become so frustrated in their faith, they've compromised with the devil. What that, does that mean? It means accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe now. Amen. Now, I'm laying a little foundation here. Now, go over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. When I get into this, it's going to go pretty fast. Mark 11, we're going to look at verse, uh, let's see, let's start down in verse uh, 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Now, the only way you're really going to have a faith in God is this. You're going to have to have a relationship with God. I believe the five ver uh, uh, wise virgins that had oil in their lamps is because that represented they had a relationship with God. They had fellowship. They, 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 were, they were communing. They had enough inside of them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So are you going to drop your neighbor, your, your grandchildren, your children off at neighbor's houses that you don't know if you have an emergency? Why? Because you don't know them. You don't have faith in them. See, see, people can ruin your reputation. That's just merely what people think you are. But your character is who you really are. Nobody can touch your character but you. You have the choice. What's character? Doing the right thing when no one else is looking. And when you see people day in and day out, the best example of somebody that had the perfect character is in Hebrews where Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. So if you're really going to have faith in God, you're going to, it all, oh, listen, you can know the scriptures, you can quote the scriptures, you can do the five methods of this, ten principles of this, and all these different things, but that doesn't mean you have a relationship with the author that initiated all this. He said, don't just learn about faith, but have faith in God. He's the vine, you're the branch. You know, the, I was studying this. Do you know the study, and, and somebody actually said this too. Um, they said the, the purpose of a branch is one is to be connected to the source of the, 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 the source, the vine, or the trunk of the tree. That's where you get what you need to produce something on the other end. So when I'm abiding in him, I'm automatically going to produce fruit. What that word fruit means, especially in the Gospel of John, if you look it up in the Vine's Dictionary of Old New Testament words, it means it's visible expressions of power that work inwardly and invisibly of the character of the power producing it. So in other words, if I get the root right, I'm always going to get the fruit right. But what happens is a lot of people get frustrated to where they won't get down to the root of the problem. They develop a form of godliness in, in other words, deny the power. They go, I don't deny God's power. No, you're denying it because it cannot have access into you because you have spoiled the vineyard of his love. Because God is love. That word spoil means to wind tightly like a rope. You ever had a garden hose and somebody's around the corner and they got it pinched? The water's on, but nothing's coming out. Well, that's what people do when they come to church and they're in unforgiveness or bitterness or they're hurt. They have an offense. They do all these things. They try to shove it back in the closet of their heart. They try to get all these things done. And what they do is they repeat the process to where they have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power. It's not that you don't deny it exists. You're denying the opportunity come into your life to set you free. Why? Because you've allowed the devil or you are actually holding your own garden hose and spoiling the vineyard of his love. Amen. 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 He's the vine, you're the branch. Now let's go on here. Verse 23. For I say unto you, whoever shall say in this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shalt not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive him, and you shall have them. I don't know about you, but I started reading that, and I just started getting excited. But that's where we stopped. Now, I don't know about you, but the Lord speaks to me in funny terms. I don't know why. I guess he just relates to me because I, I like to tell jokes and have fun and laugh. When I was studying this about the heart, I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and I believe he said something like this. He says, you, pe you preach a lot of peanut butter messages, but you don't preach the peanut butter and jelly messages. Now, I like, we like peanut butter and jelly. None of this crunchy stuff. Smooth, amen. Welch's grape, you know. We, we, we don't even, uh, we use the same fork or spoon in both of them, amen. I mean, it's going to go on there later anyway, so what's the difference? I got up there and the Lord started showing me. He said, in faith, you actually preach the peanut butter messages, peanut butter sandwich messages, but you don't add no jelly to it. But you've been calling it peanut butter and jelly. And I said, well, what do you mean? He took me to Hebrews 6. He says, through faith and patience. He, well, what was the jelly? Patience, endurance, long-suffering, forbearance, steadfastness. Well, I was sitting there, and I said, well, I, I, I kid you not. I'm not making this up. You know, when I grew up, we had Saturday morning cartoons. If you slept in, 
forget it. No Cartoon Network, no rewind, no videotaping. You just had to wait till next Saturday morning. My mom and dad, I mean, they did everything. Almost threatened me, do this. You're going to miss your ride. School's going to start. You're going to be late. Don't make me come in there again. Monday through Friday. But Saturday morning, it was a miraculous event. It took place every week. I got myself up before they got up, and I was sitting in there in front of the TV watching Saturday morning cartoons. Am I telling the truth? My son now has got 300 stations, Cartoon Network, got this, program, download, watch this, play this game, play it with friends all over the country, do this, relatives are showing up. Man, I love Saturday morning, HR Puffin stuff, Bullwinkle, Rocky, Adam, Ant, my favorite was the monkeys, don't sing it, Amen. But there was one show I actually Googled to see if the theme song was still on YouTube, and it was. And now the young people are going to Google what I'm about ready to say, and the older people that grew up with me are going to finish what I'm about ready to say. You're going to see a generation gap. Conjunction, junction. <laughs> now, some of you held back because you got, my God in heaven, I thought I was the only one to remember that. Conjunction, junction. Look it up. They had that little railroad guy, didn't he? Had the cabooses and all this. Engine, caboose. No, there was one word that they connected. You know what it was? And. The Lord showed me. He said, start looking for the and, and you'll start having the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in your life. And he said, he said then you will start seeing the results that you've been wondering why has not happened. So I got in there. Look at verse 25 in Mark 11. What's the first word? When you see and, what do you think of? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I just read to you verse 22 to 25, the peanut butter, but I'm about ready to give you the jelly. And when you stand praying, that means, hey, don't put that knife up out of the peanut butter jar. Just give it to me, and you just start scraping it. And while you stand praying, what's the jelly? Forgive. If you have ought. Now, when I first read this, I didn't know what oughts were. But I knew you shouldn't have any oughts. You ought not have any oughts. Against any. I don't know what I'm not, I don't know what an ought is, but I know I'm not supposed to have any against anybody. So I looked it up and it actually means this. It means hold something against. Don't be angry. Don't hold a grudge. And whatever somebody's wronged you, just let it go. That's what actually the word forgive in Luke 17, where we're going, means. Just let it go. I think Disney got it, and they just made a rough song about it. Let it go. It just means forgive. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. See, this happened to me years ago. I, I, was, I, was, I was in prayer. I said, Lord, you don't know what they did to me. He says, apparently, you don't know what they did to me. He said, a lot of people see their perspective of me on the cross, but very few see my perspective from the cross. And what people do to you does not compare to what I did for you. And he said, actually, I need you to pray for the very people that have come and persecuted you and did all this. He said, why? He said, because it's not you. He's not, you're not condoning what they did for you. You're not releasing them. Now, I'm not saying you have to be buddies. Brother Hagin says you can love people from a distance and still forgive them from your heart. Amen. So I got up there, and I said, well, why do I have to pray for them? He said, because it's not just for their sake. It's more for your sake. Because unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And I just went, oh, my God. I said, have you ever had surgery and had to go into a place called physical therapy? Oh, dear God. 
I had shoulder surgery, and I had my arm right there. It was massive. I mean, they had to connect stuff, do all this. The guy put a strap on my arm. He said, here, grab this, pulled it down. I pulled it down. My arm went up. My mouth opened. Ah! Man, I'm telling you, the spirit of slap came on me. I almost laid hands on him suddenly and just made him turn the other cheek. No, I did. I mean, it hurt. But before he did that, he basically said, he said, move your arm. And I went, he said, all right, put it down. He said, if you don't do what I tell you, that's the limit of the rest of your life in your motion on your arm. He said, it's going to be painful. But he said, it's going to reap benefits of years of mobility. Amen. Amen. So what I'm trying to get you to do is endure the pain, deal with the hurt, don't get bitter, get better, quit drinking the poison, hoping the other person dies, put everything down, and start doing what David said, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Cast me not from my presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I'm telling you, if you stick with it long enough and you keep knowing the truth and continue in it, the truth, the truth, the truth, not you, the truth will set you free. You'll start sleeping better. Health and healing will come back in. Your body will regulate. People, some, sometimes people will have what they call uh, their, their metabolism. They'll have just equilibrium. They'll have their sugar levels. All these spikes start leaving. Why? Because a little fox is not spoiling the vineyard of your love anymore. He's taking out the root so you don't have the fruit in your life anymore. All of a sudden now, you're productive, you're able. Instead of getting up in the morning and saying, oh, God, it's morning, you wake up and say, good morning, God. Because you know this is the day the Lord has made and you will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. You don't realize you're not going through life anymore. You're living it now. And now you're not just a witness. You're, you, listen, there's a big difference between learning to witness and becoming a witness. I can tell you, listen, what, I can tell you who I, who I am, what I got, and where I go to church. But it's another thing when people tell you who you are and what you got, and they follow you to church. Why? Because it's not you that liveth, but Christ in you. He said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He said, all I need you to do is let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works. Why? Because you, they know that person did you wrong, but you still choose to walk in love and glorify God regardless. Yes. Amen? All right, let's praise God. These are good notes you wrote me. Now, uh, <laughs> unforgiveness is unbelief. It, how many knows God's a fair judge? If you're, listen, one thing the Lord showed me, I believe, is this. He said, if you judge, you will be judged. He said, if you're going to take judgment and do what you say, no, I'm going to do this to him. I'm going to get revenge. He said, no, there's certain things that belong to me. He said, the tithe belongs to me, the earth and the fullness thereof, and vengeance belongs to me. He said, if you take that away from me, he says, you have a choice. You either fall upon this word and be broken, or this word will fall upon you and grind you to powder. Because if you judge, you will be judged. So I take my hands off. And the Lord shows me his view from the cross instead of my view of him on the cross. And he shows me where he was on the cross and what they did to him and how he released them. Forgiving someone is not saying what they did was right, but it's setting you free. All forgiveness starts with devaluing a person. Jesus said, I wish that none would perish. Brother Hagen in his book, The Love, The Way to Victory, he said this, I know from experience of more than 50 years. Now, we know he had 69 years in the ministry, so this is about 20 years before he passed on. He wrote this. Listen to this. 
I know from experience of more than 50 years of ministry and talking with many thousands of people through the years on a one-in-one basis that unforgiveness is the main reason why people's faith doesn't work. And unforgiveness is the main reason why people fail to receive their healing. When I read the scriptures, the Lord showed me, he said this. He said, I went beyond certain things. He said, I said, call for the elder of the church. If there's any sick among you, let him pray, anointing him in the name of the Lord, and the Lord will heal him, and if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven to him also. Yes. So I started reading the scriptures. One of them, real quick, Psalms 103.3, who forgives every one of your iniquities, who heals each of your diseases. And I'm going to read this. I put this down. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Your heart is the soil. Your words are your mouth. I don't care who preaches this word here. This seed is incorruptible. But if it goes in contaminated soil, which is the heart, or you talk negative and contradictive to it, you're going to have artificial fruit. And then you're going to look back and say, I've tried that, Pastor. I've tried that so-and-so. I know what the Word says, but it just doesn't work. No, the Word's tried you for three years. You don't work. I would smile, but I don't have that big of lips. Amen? Can you, do you have the seven questions? People go, you know what? I don't have unforgiveness. I've forgiven them. Well, let's read these seven. During COVID, I would, I would lift weights and stuff in the house and different things. But uh, if you don't, yeah, that's fine. But I, when I was lifting weights and stuff, I had this lady. I should have put her name down. It's called Brenda Rogers. I have about 27 of them I printed up here. I asked pastor if I could pass them out. But there's seven things I would ask myself a question. Listen to this. Get you a little notepad about this big so you can carry it around your purse or in your pocket or whatever. And I would sit there and I would read those seven questions literally every day. And if somebody came up, I would write their names down and I'd begin to pray and bless them. I'm going to show you how to get it from the head to the heart because God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outer appearance. I'm not going to be an echo. I want to be a voice. I, I want to know that when I release something out of my life, God is going to set me free. Do you know the only thing that will touch the spiritual and the natural realms at the same time is the words of your mouth? If you don't speak, you lose by default. So I've learned to speak. I call people's names out, and I pray and bless them. One gentleman, uh, I, I didn't plan to say it this early, but it fits right in here. There was one gentleman I never heard of before uh, about three or four years ago, and he was talking about unforgiveness. I thought, oh, man, I want to listen to this guy. I started listening to him. I thought, my Lord, he's what? he took a church when he was 29 years old. He just stepped down in good standing. He, he, he retired from it at 66, I think. He's like 68 or 9 now. He's carried on his ministry. But he said he had one elder in there that would show up privately in the meetings and said, I will have you out of here in a year. And he would sit on the front or in the front and purposely fall asleep to embarrass and distract him. And he said, I got so bitter against that man, I built a little room in my head, especially for him, and I took him there at least three times a day and tortured him. And he said this from the pulpit because now, you know, how he's seasoned, he's grown now. And the Lord said, he said, but there was three people I literally hated in my life. And if they would have died, I would have had a party. He said, I'm just being blunt. God already knew my heart. And the Lord one day said, I want you to pray for him. He said, I ain't praying for him. Now you're going to team up with him. Now both of you are against me. And the Lord said, pray for him. He said, I'm not going to pray for him. Next day, pray for him. I'm not going to pray for him. Next day, nope, nope. Aren't you glad that God's rich in mercy, long-suffering towards us? 
You know, mercy and goodness follows us all the days of our lives. Goodness forgives us of what we do deserve. I mean, don't deserve, but mercy always forgives us of what we do deserve. A week went into two weeks. Two weeks, three, I think it went into a month, almost two months, and the Lord would every day pray for him. And he finally said, okay, I'll pray for him, but I'm going to have my fingers crossed, and I'm not going to mean it. And you know what the Lord said to him? Pray for him. He said, I got down, and I began to pray every morning. I prayed for his wife like I prayed for my wife. I prayed for him like I prayed for me. I prayed for his children like I prayed for my children. And I'm in it from my heart. There was times it was tough. But he said, I started praying. I thought, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to pray. He just kept praying. The 10th day, he had a vision. He said it was an open vision. He said, I seen a boy 10 years old. He said, around 10 years old in an open field. I, I was there. He didn't see me, but I seen him. His face was traumatized. And I said, who is that, Lord? He said, that's the, that's the man you're praying for. You know what he did to you, but I know what was done to him, and I need you to pray for him. He said, all the bitterness, hate, resentment, everything. He said, I tore the room down in my head. He said, I was free. Every time I heard the guy's name, he said, I went up to him. I embraced him. He said, I never had a problem from that day forth. Why? Because he said, I've learned that when you pray and bless somebody from your heart, you force also the forgiveness from the head to the heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. How many wants to be set free today? So let's read these seven questions real quick. I'm not going to go over them. Number one, you have an imaginary conversation in your head with a person. Number two, everybody's like, okay, stop right there. I'm 100%. I, I had a pastor read that in Arizona. I said, hey, I want to give you this. Just tell me what you think. He said, he handed it back, I think. He said, five. I said, you want five out of seven? He goes, no, I wouldn't read the last two. <laughs> you need to slander someone to other people. You replay a conversation over and over. I think it's in your mind, right? In your mind. Now, if you want to make a copy of this or take a screenshot, we got them up here. You're happy when someone else fails. You feel anger every time you hear a particular person's name. You don't behave naturally around a person, and you complain often. You know, I was at the airport the other morning. I got up before 4, and I was sitting at the airport, and we had a delay right off the bat. And I've learned one thing about life in airports. I've told pilots this and stewardess and gate agents. But I've just learned if you praise, you'll be raised. If you complain, you will remain. <laughs> Same way with life. Amen? Hebrews 12, 15, the Living Bible says this. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's blessed blessing. Now, it doesn't mean that you're called to be fruit pickers. You're called to be fruit inspectors. Amen? Watch out that no bitterness take root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual walk. Why is this important? Because if you read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, verse 16 says, according to the proper working of each individual part. Well, everybody has a responsibility, and everybody has a, how can I say this? You can affect somebody else. How many knows if you have five people that walk into an elevator and a guy is just smoking away after about 30 seconds, everybody that walks out is going to have a form of scent of smoke? Yep. 
Well, my son just turned 16, and about two years ago, I was teaching him how to do clothes. And I, he loves these Russell Athletic, you know, red and blue and all these different types of sweat things, sweatpants. Now they got sweatpants, which are short. It's, it, it doesn't make sense. They cut them in, in half in length, but charge you more. <laughs> I said, just bring it over here. I got scissors. That will... I cut this with coupons, too. No. But I told him one thing. I said, always remember this, son. Hot water, white clothes, good. Hot water, white clothes, good. Hot water, white clothes, good. I said, if you put a red shirt in there, I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. You'll be the only guy in high school in the Mary Kay Club. Because <laughs> everything you have, including your underwear, your socks, is going to be pink. So my thing is this. I've learned I can't control you, but you can't control me. I can be an influence. I can be a witness. I can encourage you, but I cannot run your race. I can't put my hands to your plow because it doesn't fit. I can't hit your mark. I can't hit your expected end. I can't run in your lane, but I can stop and come over and pick you up. And get you back and get you recalculated. The spirit of truth will tell you, let's recalculate, let's reroute, let, right there. And I said, are you, are you cool? Sometimes you can walk along people like in races. But there comes a time you got to go back and you got to, because why? Because when you get to heaven, you got to give an account for your life, not somebody else's. Listen, one thing I've learned is this. When I, keep myself in un when I keep myself in forgiveness and keep my heart with all diligence, I will not be a red sweatshirt in hot water with white clothes. Because if I come around and do any of those seven things, then I'm going to bleed over into other people's lives, and I'm going to inadvertently start causing them to have something in their life they should never have had in the first place. Amen? Look at Luke 17. Are we all doing Okay. Praise, okay, look, 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 look at 17, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 17. Trust me, I worked food service for nine years. We never ran out of food on Saturday night. We watched people come in there and rush in from church or not even go to church and get there really early and stand in line while the door opened. And I, I don't like to say it this way, but I heard Brother Hagin say it once and it kind of fit. He said, Best, bless their daughter and heart and their stupid heads, amen? They were paying the same full price for leftovers. And I, told, I thought, if people just wait to 1.30 or 2, they can eat the good stuff. I've seen them many times, mix it, add water, stir it up, get it all, everything. That didn't work for me to preach a little bit longer, did it? Okay. All right. <laughs> Luke 17. Look at verse 1 through 6. Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they may come. Can, can I reread that in a different translation? And Jesus said to him, temptations, that is, snares, traps, set to entice, are sure to come, but woe to him through whom they may come. So don't be a red sweatshirt and hot water with white clothes. I added that. You don't want to be an accomplice. Come on. Now watch this. It would be better for him a millstone were hanging around his neck, they cast in the sea, that he should fit in one of these little ones. Well, little ones, we think children, I, we lead people to the Lord in their 80s. It says here, lowly in rank or influence. If somebody's just got born again and they're 82 years old, guess what? They're low in rank and they're, in, they're very influential 
Because somebody can come over and say, well, the Lord understands. He understands what you went through. Guess what? If you listen to them, they become your teacher, and the blind will, fall, the blind will lead the blind, and you both will fall in the ditch. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. So what, what you do is you don't want to go around and be the red sweatshirt and hot water with white clothes. Now, let's, let's hurry up here. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, take heed to yourself. In other words, if you can, the Lord would appreciate it if you just mind your own business and keep yourself straight. Amen? If thy brother sin against him, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in the day, seven times in the day, turn and says, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The apostles said immediately, what did they say? Increase our faith. Jesus said, verse 6, to say this. You don't have a faith problem. Because if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, or this sick, might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the what? Root, and it would be passed into the sea. And watch this. And, and it should what? Obey you. How is it going to obey you? When you speak to it with your mouth. The sycamine tree is actually the example of the tree that he used that showed the detrimental effects of unforgiveness and bitterness in a person's life. The sycamine tree is totally different than the fig tree. Their fruits were similar, but one was cheap and bitter and eaten by the poor. The other was expensive and was sweet. The sycamine tree wood was used as the preferred wood in Egypt and the Middle East to build caskets. Unforgiveness will take you all the way to your grave. It only dry, uh, sycamine tree only grew in dried conditions, in desert conditions. How many knows when you get unforgiveness, you feel alone, you feel dry, you don't even feel the presence of the Lord anymore? Come on. The sycamine tree, if you, if you look it up, this tree was not naturally pollinated. It was only pollinated when a wasp stuck its stinger into the fruit. The devil will use somebody to come up and sting you, and you have a, you have a choice at that moment. You can get bitter, or you can get better. You can pull it out, heal it up, and let it go and move on. Amen? What's another one? I wrote, I wrote another one down here. It was... Uh, had the deepest root system of all the trees in the Middle East. How many knows there's a root of bitterness that will go deep, 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 deep? You can, you can get rid of it, but the Bible says that he wants you to go down and get the root so you can take care of the fruit. Amen? So he said, how many times will I forgive him? He said, seven times. We're going to see something else later. Now turn over here real quick, and I'm going to show you how to get forgiveness from the head to the heart, and I'm going to talk about Jesus for a few minutes, and then we'll close and go eat leftovers. Amen? I just say stuff to see if people are even listening. Amen. Now, how do you get forgiveness from the head to the heart? Well, I'll just give you this one as a starter. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. We won't even read it. But there was only one thing mentioned in the Lord's Prayer twice. Does anybody know? Forgiveness. Amen. Now, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to give you a couple examples here, and then we've got to move right on. Because people in Hawaii are starting to wake up. I don't know why. This just comes to me. I just say it. Now, I'm going to read the amplified version of this, all right? Now, look, look down here. Uh, let's see where we can go. Now, let's go start with verse 22. I know I gave them a different scripture. But how many of you, when you came here, I don't need to see the hands. How many of you wearing the clothes you slept in last night? I'm looking for 14 and 15-year-olds right now. <laughs> no, when you got up, you had to take something on in order to put what you have on now. 
You know, when you get born again, there's certain things you got to take off, but there's certain things you got to put on. Look at verse 22. Strip yourself of your former nature. Put off and disregard your unrenewed self that characterizes your previous manner of life that becomes corrupt through lust and desires from delusion. And be constantly, listen to this, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh and spiritual attitude. Now verse 24. After you stripped it off of verse 22, you renewed your mind constantly. Verse 24. Put on the new nature, recreated in God's image, God's likeness, true holiness, and righteousness. Now, this is very interesting because these are familiar scriptures, but look at this. Therefore, rejecting all fallacy, done with it, let everyone have expressed truth with your neighbor. For we are all parts of one body and members of one another. Can, can I paraphrase that? Do not be a red sweatshirt in hot water with white clothes. <laughs> Why? Because we are all parts of one body. Members of one another. You might have the most healthiest feet, but I guarantee it, if you smash your thumb, your feet will stop for a minute so the other hand can take care of the thumb. Your mouth will even get involved and express what the body feels from the thumb. Okay, let's go on. He says, when angry, do not sin. Do not let your wrath, your aspiration, your fury, indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give him no opportunity. We know in verse 28, he said, if you still don't steal no more and all this, be honest, all this. But I looked this up in verse 27, and I thought this was interesting, where it says, don't give the devil any opportunity. You know what that actually means when you study it out? It says this, quote, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness in your life. Now, what, what I want to do is get down to verse uh, for time's sake, let's go down to verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, indignation, wrath, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, quarreling, brawling, clamor, evil speaking, slander, blasphemous language, that's just basically cussing, be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, and baseness of any kind. I, have, I run into people and says, well, I just, I got a cussing problem. I said, I'll give you $100 a day for the next 30 days not to cuss. Every day you don't cuss, you get 100 bucks. Because they tell me they can't help it. They said, there's nothing I can do to conduct. But they stop long enough and go, you said $100 for 30 days. I said, yeah. I said, you're disqualified. They go, oh, no, wait, wait, wait a minute. I said, what, what, what? I said, because you just showed me what you told me at the beginning was not truthful. You told me you, there's nothing you can do to stop from cussing. And when I offered you a motivation that was greater than the cussing habit, that you could see down the line that that money could give you something to appease your flesh more than the cussing gave you a release of your temper, you disqualified yourself. I said, so you can, but it all starts with a decision. See, forgiveness is the same way. It's a decision. See, when he came up, he says, listen, you don't have a faith problem. You have a heart problem. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Repentance is not an emotion. They're both decisions that you make from your heart. Your decisions determine your direction. Your directions establish your destinies. Uh, direct, uh, uh, let's see, how does it go? Decisions determine your directions. Your directions establish your destinies and your destiny. I forgot the last part. Everything is calculated to where a decision is causing you to, you have a GPS inside of you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's always teaching you to recalculate, reroute. 
He leads you and guides you into all truth. But you've got to listen to that voice. If you don't, it's going to be like this at the beginning. Then all of a sudden, he's still knocking, but you don't hear it because you're dull now. It's like calloused. All right, let's move on. Old Testament, what did he say? Say into this mountain. In other words, say into this sycamore tree. Old Testament, giants. New Testament, mountains. Everything has to be spoken to. So what I do is I read those seven questions. I go down because I know forgiveness has a voice. I know the Word of God is voice activated. I know that I'm going to have to be the good ground in Luke 8. I don't have to be the wayside, the hard soil, all these different things. Why? The good ground, they brought forth fruit with perseverance and patience. You've got to stick with this. You've got to cultivate it. Don't let no birds get in there. Don't let it take the incorruptible seed. Don't let weeds grow up around. Don't let nothing choke. Don't let attractions and distractions. You keep that word in, in your heart, and you guard it with all diligence, for out of it are the springs. And when you do it, all of a sudden, it'll, it'll germinate. It'll come up. It'll come above the ground. You've got to shade it. You've got to protect it. With all diligence, with all perseverance, you shall bring forth fruit. It's up to you, 30, 60, or 100-fold. <clears throat> what I do is I found out my individual voice has authority, and my voice is my address in the Spirit. When I begin, I begin to talk to myself, you know what happens when I begin to talk to myself? The counselor inside of me shows up. There's times I can't pray beyond a certain thing, but he comes alongside and begins to hook up, and he begins to pray through me. Amen? So you got to tell your brain, your feelings, emotions, and everything, and take issue, and take them in authority. Matthew 5, I'm going to show you the, here's the, here's the scar tissue room, physical therapy. Dear Lord, I don't even want to turn there. But I know it has set me free to give me the mobility and the liberty and the freedom that I enjoy. Amen? Yes. Matthew chapter 5. i got just a few more minutes, all right? Is that okay, Pastor Greg? Pastor, I'm going to ask Pastor Glenda. She likes me more than you. <laughs> Pastor Glenn is my true unpaid friend. No, I'm just teasing. I'm, 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 I'm almost done. Actually, my watch has been the same time for four days. I, I realized my battery uh, went out. <laughs> It didn't work either, did it? <clears throat> Look at Matthew 5. You really want to be set free? You've heard it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. <laughs> Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. I don't want to read the other translations. It's just too hard. That you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that love you, what reward is that? Do you not even the publicans or sinners do the same? If you salute your brethren only, what more do the others? Don't the sinners do the same? Be therefore perfect or mature. And one translation says, growing complete maturity of godliness of mind and character, having reached a proper height of virtue and integrity. So when I begin to pray for somebody, I'm forcing the forgiveness from my head to my heart. People say, well, I lived a tough life. Well, you might have a reason you are the way that you are, but you don't have an excuse to stay there. Amen? Amen? Here's what I pray. I'm almost done here. I say, Father, I release these people. Because I go through the seven questions. Many times I've marked their names off. 
And three days later, ride it right back over. Why? I'm keeping my heart. I'm not letting any fox come in here. When do I do it? Until it is cast into the sea. You ever notice Mark 11? You ever notice Luke 17? All these different places talked about the sea. Why are you supposed to take things that are trying to get in your heart that you have not been given a, uh, uh, a portion of or a measure of like faith or love why are why you got to keep it getting out of your heart until it's in the sea? The sea represents a place that can never reroute and come back into your life. You do it until. Some people say, well, it takes about six weeks. No, it doesn't. It takes as long until in your life. Six months? Come on. I've been doing stuff for three years almost. Why? I only got one shot at this life. I want to live it smarter, not harder. So I say this, Father. I released him of this, little, this offense. This little fox suffered wrong. It's now dismissed. It's been forever cast out into the sea. I can't control people, but I can control me. I know your word is voice activated. So when I speak and do this, I have given up the right to bring that offense. Little fox suffered wrong from my past and rehearse it and give it to audience. I will not give the devil... I will not allow the devil to live rent-free in my mind anymore. I have forfeited this right and forgave that person, just like the woman caught in adultery, Father. You, you remember the story in uh, John 8, the oldest to the youngest left? I wonder where the guy was. You know, where, where was the guy? He looked up and he said, where's your accusers? He said, I have none, Lord. He said, now watch how he recalculated her and told her which way to go. He said, go and sin no more. Do you know the only one qualified to throw a stone that day? Didn't. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to convict the world. Let me say this, and I'll get in the life of Jesus real quick. Psalms 103, verse 12, Jesus said, forgive them. He, uh, what that means, their transgressions, their wrongdoings, their rebellions. Why do I read Psalms 103, 12? Because as far as the east is from the west, he forgives you. The biggest person you're going to have to forgive in your life is you. Why? Because the devil will attach shame, condemnation, regret, and all these different things, guilt in your life. But you got to get in the in him scriptures and start getting the same mindset of what God says about you. And by faith, start looking at yourself in the mirror because those words will create images and you'll start seeing yourself as God sees you. And when you forgive yourself, guess what happens? All of a sudden, the shame and the guilt and the condemnation will leave. See, I wrote this down because a lot of people don't realize this. Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But Jesus knows your sin, but calls you by your name. Let me finish up with this. I didn't mean to go a little bit long here. Let's just go through this real quick. John 15, you can look that up. But blessing someone from your head, from your heart forces the forgiveness. When you bless somebody, it forces forgiveness from the head to the heart. Jesus on his crucifixion, on John 12, 15, this is six days apart. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Six days later, Luke 23, 21, crucify him, crucify him. Six days later. Before he went, John 13, 21, he said, one of you will betray me. On the cross, John 19, the Roman soldiers gambled over his garment because that garment had so much representation. and It was not just valuable because of the quality. It carried authority in it, and the Roman soldiers recognized it because everybody wore something in society back then that represented their status in society. Even the blind beggar, he threw off his 
garment that represented a blind beggar in society because he knew he was not going to be blind anymore. Uh, Matthew 27, three things happened on the cross. The religious leaders mocked him, the crowd blasphemed him, and the thief reviled him. I looked up the word to revile. Here he is on the cross, beaten, marred beyond the recognition of any man. He's being mocked. He's being blasphemed. He's, all his earthly garments are sitting there being gambled over. And there's a guy to his side that's speaking abusively, insulting, speaking words that are cruel and vile. And they say it can be under the form of verbal abuse. So Jesus didn't react. How could he react it? He could have called 12 legions of angels, according to Matthew 26. But he responded by fulfilling Isaiah 53, 12, where he bore the sins of many and made intercession for his transgressors. I got two more things. I want to, pre, I want to read Matthew 18, but while you turn over there, I want to read uh, Luke 23 because I cannot pass this up. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I looked this up and this is the thing that changed me. Because I realized it was my sin that put him on. I always thought it was everybody else's sin around the cross. This become personal. Because now I see his view. When I was reading this one day, I was praying. I don't know why. I'm not saying it was a vision. But I seen John to the right. I seen Mary to the left. And I was looking down. I thought, my God, I feel like I'm looking down like Jesus did. Jesus, I really believe he said this to me. He said, I'm marred beyond the recognition of any man. I'm ready to be made sin. And he looks down, and I heard these words. I know it's not word for word in the Scripture, but this is what I heard. John, take care of my mother. And this is what he said to me in my quiet time when I was in the lowest of the lowest. He said, Todd, if, he didn't say Todd. He said, if you trust me and just simply do what I tell you, I will take care of the details of your life too, just like I took care of the details of my mother's life on the cross. And I remember saying, I'll do anything. I forgive God. I forgive. And I can tell you from this day forth, the roots, it was, it was painful. Perseverance. All these different things. Am I perfect? Have I arrived? No. But I don't have the root system. A lot of my stuff is in the sea now. Never coming back. But I looked up the word forgive, and it means three things. Father, release them. Father, do not hold this against them. But this is the one that hit me. When he said, Father, release them, he's being verbally abused. He's being blasphemed. He's being mocked. All of his possessions. His mother, he, he, he bore our shame because literally he was naked in front of his mother, hanging on a cross Marred beyond the recognition of any man. Ready to be made sin, although he did not commit sin. And he says, Father, forgive them. I looked up the word forgive, and it means this. It's as in releasing a prisoner or setting someone free from an act they carried out. A decision not to hold something against someone, but to liberate a person. To liberate a person from the consequences of his or her actions. That's what he did for us. Put up Matthew 18 and I'll close. Pastor, I didn't mean to go over. Matthew 18. This is the most important passage here. Then Peter came in and said, how many times shall I forgive my brother? What did he say? Why did he say seven times? Back in Luke 17, you remember? I like what Jesus said. He's not, not, not seven times, it's 70 times seven. 
He threw him a curve, amen? Okay, watch this. I want to show you this, and we'll finish. Again, I t uh, let's see here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king. Now, my, I have an older edition, so the money value is a lot less than what it actually is today. So we'll stick with what I got. When it became, verse 24, when it became an accounting, one which brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, probably about $10 million, and he could not pay because his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, everything he possessed, and payment to be made. How in the world did a servant get a credit line of $10 million? So the attendant fell down on his knees, begging him, saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. How many knows this guy's lying? And his master's what was moved? His heart was moved with compassion. And he released and gave him of the debt. What debt? $10 million. Do you know the king's word was law? He can't go back and reclaim that. But the same attendant went out and found one of his fellow attendants, owed him about 20 bucks, caught him by the throat, said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow attendants fell down, begged him earnestly, give me time and I'll pay you all. But he's unwilling, went out and put him into prison till he should pay the debt. What debt? $20. When his fellow attendants saw what the red sweatshirt did in hot water with white clothes, are you all seeing it? They were greatly distressed and went and told everything that would take place to their master. The master called him and said, you contemptible, wicked servant, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me. What debt? $10 million. Should you have not pity and mercy on your fellow attendant? 20 bucks. That I had pity and mercy on you? $10 million. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers or the jailers till he should pay what he owed. He didn't owe $10 million. What did he owe? Verse 35 is your key. This wraps the whole sermon up. So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to convict it. The word convict means exposing a lie by revealing the truth. But you have to make the decision of life or death. So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Forgive from your heart your brother his offenses. Today, you hurt me. Hey, you're, you're intimidated. It's everything about self today. I, I don't appreciate you. you you're, you're, you're invading my space. No, you're offended. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Total opposite. When you truly forgive from your heart, your brother, his offenses, guess what? You'll be set free at that moment. That's the road to that. Did y'all get anything out of this today? I, I didn't mean to go so long. Now, I don't know how many of you here, I'm not going to ask you to come up if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, because this is a daily thing. It's like going to the gym. Just because you got the, I got people in the gym, they got the membership, man, they got nice outfits. <laughs> they got some nice shoes too, man. I'm like, jeez. But they're talkers. They're not walkers. So when I see a talker come to me, I go to the treadmill so I can get my walking in while they talk to me. <laughs> Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is a daily lifestyle. You're going to have to take up your cross every day to do this. You're going to have to implement it. If you really want to be set free and have days of heaven upon earth. But what I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about people today that are backsliders. I've had people take me to the side. I thought they killed somebody. They're looking around. I said, what is it? They said, I'm a backslider. I said, man, just slide back. You know. <laughs> but there's some people that have never accepted the Lord. It's like me giving you an orange. You section it. You got the peeling the seeds and the stains on your finger, but I'm the one that's tasting it. 
And then I ask you, having all the evidence of the orange that's left in your hands, if it was sweet or sour, but you can't tell me because you never tasted it for yourself. There's people that dissect the scriptures. They study all languages. They study this. I don't believe in the King James. I believe it was this. They, they debate all these other things, and all they have is a bunch of peelings with some stains and a couple seeds, but they never tasted the orange or Christ for themselves and see how good he is. They'd rather debate than have a relationship. So I'm going to count to three. Nothing magical about three. But some people are always looking around. I guarantee you if this was the price is right and your name was called out, you'd be running down here like crazy. Amen. Everybody up here on the bus, sitting on the bus, we come down too. Amen. If you look around, you're not going to do it because you, you, you've went from a participator to a spectator. You've never been born again or you're a backslider. Or maybe today... You need to say, you know what, Lord? I've been lukewarm for a long time. I'm not going to do this for anybody that's here, but for me, that I'm going to come and profess you before men so you can confess me before the Father. That I am making an absolute commitment to live the rest of my life. Am I, are you going to mess up? Oh, several, 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 several times. But the key is a just man falls seven times, but he keeps getting if you look around, you won't do it. If you're a backslider, you've never been born again. Or maybe you just need to make a recommitment. I mean, a, not that you're going to hell, you're not saved. But you need to do it for you to God publicly. And say, you know what? I lived my own life. I'm in a routine. I'm comfortable. I know where I get my favorite coffee at. I always watch my favorite show on this day. I have a chair that nobody else is allowed to sit in. But God wants to interrupt your life today. Because a lot of times when I study, I'm not interested in certain subjects. I remember one time I was sitting there, and I said, I'm not interested in this. And I heard the Holy Spirit inside of me very lovingly say, you're selfish. Because what I'm trying to get to you and through you is not always for you. It's usually for the people around you. So I study a lot of times for other people. But I have become now, I don't look at my ability. God says, I want your availability. Are you willing to do what I just simply asked you to do? Or do you want to be the red sweatshirt and hot water with white clothes? If you, on a count of three, I know we went a little bit long, but thank God we might not eat leftovers today. When I slap my hands together, don't look around. If you want to be born again for the first time, or you're a backslider, you need to make a recommitment. Or the third thing is, you just want to make a public commitment and say, you know what? I'm changing the direction of my life from this day forth. And I'm going to get serious because I know the years I have left are not quite as many as the years I've already lived. And what I do for God in this lifetime is going to impact eternity. I have one question I ask myself literally almost every day. What did I do today to impact eternity? Or did I live according to this present age for myself? When I put God first, he adds it all. And works it all together for good. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you right now. In here. Anybody in here that's a backslider, you want to get saved? Or make a public commitment right now. Ready? One more time. We'll do it one more time. That's fine. That means now you're, everybody here can go out and bring somebody to church next week. Ready? One, two, three. Anybody in here that wants to, me to pray for them? Okay, I'm going to take this. Let me pray. Father, 
We come to you in the name of Jesus. I pray that the seed that was sold in people's hearts, that have been so patient, sitting here for at least just over an hour, that they will bear forth fruit with patience and perseverance and steadfastness. I command the enemy not to take this seed. And Father, let people realize that what we do in the remaining years we have left will impact eternity. So I'm asking you to do something in us that we can't do for ourselves. And as we draw nigh to you, we know you'll draw nigh to us. Father, we're asking right now in the name of Jesus, as we make ourselves available, give us the ability through your grace to do all these things so that one day we can truly stand before you without any shame or condemnation, regret or guilt, and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Everybody right now, just raise your hands. Let's just worship the Lord. Pastor, come on. Thank you.